Yeah, welcome everybody. I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, and a, spe- a special warm welcome if, if you're visiting with us this morning. Alright, I'm just going to launch straight in, alright? Is that alright? That's alright, okay. Fear. I don't have a cold. I think, it, I think maybe it's God. <laughs> anyway, fear. Fear is, fear is big news. You don't have to go very far before there's, before there's something there to make, make you feel afraid or, t- or make you think that maybe you should be afraid or something like that. It, it spreads like a disease. Uh, it, fear disrupts our lives. It's so much like a disease, isn't it? It spreads like a disease. It, it disrupts our lives. It can stop us from living in freedom. There's uh, international fears, like, you know, the, the classics, like rising sea levels, things getting a bit warm, um, geopolitical crises, um, or threats of disease, like every time you open the news at the moment, you'll be reading about um, the novel coronavirus, and um, so there's international fears, there's national fears, sometimes international fears feed into national fears. Like, uh, like fears of what if we have an economic downturn? What if there's a recession? What's, what about increasing unemployment or homelessness or disruption? And, there, and then all these kind of things can feed into our personal fears. Like, what if I get sick? Or what if I, what if I lose my income? What if I lose my job? Or um, what if I die? What if I die on my way home? Or what if some, one of my loved ones dies? Fear, fear is a disease. Hope is its only cure. It's not from the Bible. It's from Star Wars. It's from, it's from, it's, it's from the Clone Wars, which is, you know, that spin-off cartoon. And I, I've been getting into watching it lately. And they have these inspirational quotes at the beginning. <laughs> I'm kind of just watching it for the quotes. And it's like, fear is a disease. Hope is its only cure. I'm like, yes, I think that's true. And it speaks the truth far beyond Star Wars. Like, yeah, the Jedis are pretty neat. They can do flippy tricks. And, and when they die, they can become ghosts. But, but it speaks a truth far beyond Star Wars. Um, fear is like a disease. Maybe fear is a disease. Because even if we get rid of, even if we get rid of the things that we're afraid of, then there's something else to be afraid of. The focus, often the focus of the fear itself is not really, is not really the issue or solving that fear is not actually going to solve our fear, if you know what I mean. So we need something greater. We need something greater than fear, like capital fear itself. And this is the Christian hope, that there is something greater than fear itself, and it's Jesus. In Matthew 12... There's a prophecy about Jesus. It's God the Father. God the Father speaking, and he's speaking about his beloved son, Jesus. And it says, Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, the one who I love, the one I love, and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he is brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. In this prophecy, God the Father is telling us about his son Jesus. He's telling us about what Jesus, what Jesus did, and he's telling, he tells us about what Jesus is doing. 
especially that especially that last line in his name till he has brought justice through to victory in his name the nations will put their hope your translation might read in his name the gentiles will put their hope and it's just speaking of everyone whether whether you're jewish or whether you're not Jewish, everyone, the nations will put their hope. Anyone from any nation can put their hope in Jesus. So why is hope in Jesus the cure for fear? Why is hope in Jesus the cure for fear? It's because Jesus is God. And the Holy Trinity... Of God, you've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Through Jesus, it says in the scriptures, the whole universe was made. He created it. So, so then he is outside of it. He has it in the, in the palm of his hands. And at the same time, Jesus entered into the universe. So we know, we remember it at Christmas time. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born as a, as a baby boy, and then he, and then he grew up. As a, as a person, as a human being. And so he absolutely knows uh, what human life is like, the things, that we go, the things that we go through. He knows about suffering. He knows about pain. He knows about it all. Jesus, because he is God, has the whole world in his hands. Like the song that we, some, we used to sing when we were kids. Got the whole world in his hands. And this means that if God has the whole universe in his hands, then there's meaning and there's purpose to existence. There's something going on. It's not random. And we know from, we know from the scriptures, we know from the Bible, that, that the plan is all about Jesus' kingdom, about his good rule and his good reign being established, like spreading out here in our planet and in our cities. And the, and the best part of all is that God loves us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. He loves us. He loves us all. So believers, Jesus followers, Christians, whatever we're called, if this is what you what you are, then you have this great hope in your heart. We have this great hope in our heart. And yet, we can still feel fear. We can still become afraid of things. But at any moment, in, the, in any moment, we can turn our attention to, to Jesus. Because the Lord is always with us, and he never forsakes us. He's the Lord of the universe. He loves us. And he's with us. He's with us right now. <clears throat> But, but it's not like that for everyone. And we all know people that don't know Jesus. I don't know everybody here today, and maybe there's maybe there's people here this morning, and you don't know Jesus. We have friends, we've got family members, schoolmates, workmates, and if they don't know Jesus, then they don't know the loving Creator of the universe. And then how can they have a hope that is greater than, greater than fear, greater than fear itself?
Proverbs 29:18 in the old King James version that says where there is no vision the people perish. But followers of Jesus have a vision. We have a vision. We've been we've been given with a we've been given a revelation uh, a revelation of who Jesus is, a revelation in our hearts. We've come to the belief that Jesus is God and that he loves us and that and that he saves us into eternal life. Romans 10.9, Romans 10.9, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is what Jesus' followers, what they believe. But there are many, many people in our communities and in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, even in our families that don't have the hope of Jesus. They don't have the vision of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus. And like Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there's no vision, the people perish. So fear runs, runs rampant in our city. And it runs rampant in our nation. And it runs rampant in the nations. It never stops. There's always something new to be afraid of. Fear runs rampant, spreads like a disease. Fear itself causes suffering and death. You know, I'm talking, sort of touching on, on mental, health, mental health issues where fear itself causes suffering and death. Last year, uh, last year I, could, I could feel, I mean, I, I feel fear lots of times, but last year there was this sort of unique time and I could fear, feel fear sort of rising up within me. Um, that, sort of that sense of, of just hopelessness that we're, we're all going to wreck and ruin, to use quite an old-fashioned phrase, wreck and ruin. And I'd uh, read the news and I was going, oh my goodness, this is just, this is just the pits. It's all, going, it's all going to custard. We're all toast. <laughs> that the world is going to wreck and ruin. That society and humanity is on the brink of disaster. And during this time, I read Psalm 46, which is kind of a long one, but I'm going to go through it with you. Psalm 46, and this is the NRSV. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its Tumult, Salah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in uproar, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. 
It's a good one. And the first part, it says God. God is our refuge. God is our, our present help. Our present. He's present. Right now he is with us. So we do not need to fear. Even if sea levels rise, even if there are earthquakes and national disasters, somehow in God we do not need to fear. And later it talks about the nations in uproar, international crises, kingdoms tottering, political crises, international instability. It sounds, it sounds bad, eh? It sounds bad. But God is our present help. And then right in the middle of this psalm, it says there is a river whose streams make glad. The city of God, right in the middle of all this turmoil, of all this international... Is the city of God. It's where he lives. And his city is unshakable. It's indestructible. And it's quite cool. It's sustained by this river. Like the streams from this river of gladness. <laughs> it means gladness. It means it's probably a pretty fun place to be. It's probably enjoyable. It's probably a happy place. I think, oh, you, I read it and go, I want, it's a place where I want to be. I want to be in that city. I want to be sustained in that place. I want to be there. I want to stay there in that place of refuge. And it, it's a place to abide. It's... It's a place to abide. In, in that last one, in the last section where it says, Be still and know that I am God. Abiding, eh? Abiding, remaining, being present, being, being mindful of God, being still and knowing God who has our, our great hope, capital H, hope, is our refuge when it seems like everything is going to wreck and ruin. This psalm emphasizes that place of true safety, security, and sanctuary. And it emphasizes that that place is actually in God. It's not a physical place. You could build a bunker with guns and water (laughs) and baked beans. I don't want to join you in that bunker, to be honest. I know what beans do. It's going to be a stinky bunker. Anyway, you could do that, but that's not the place of sanctuary. It might feel safe on the air, but it's not. It's not. Our sanctuary is in God. And we spent we spent almost all of the Sundays in, in January just thinking and talking about this theme of abiding in God and abiding in Jesus. And it was all because of these like stunning words that Jesus spoke in John fifteen where he says, those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I thought, oh, it's probably worth worth thinking about that and trying to figure out for ourselves what abiding in Jesus actually means. Because we probably want to do something. Our natural tendency is to try to seek approval for the good things that we do. Or to do good things in order to impress somebody. This is, a, this is just a natural thing. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a husband and you wash the dishes, you kind of want your wife to notice. Here? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for washing the dishes. Oh, it's okay, honey. <laughs> it was nothing. But if she didn't say anything, then it would be something. 
Anyway, we want to seek approval for the good things we do, or we do good things to impress somebody else, like to to um, to get a, you know, I don't know. Okay, going back to the relationship thing, if you're if you're going out on a date with somebody, um, then you want to you know use your cutlery properly because you want to impress them. Fork in the left hand, knife in the right, or something like that. You know, completely off track. Anyway, we do things to impress people. That's my point. Don't need to labour it. But you can forget about that with God. You can absolutely forget about that with God. Being able to do good, to bear, to, to bear good fruit, in the words of Jesus, even being able to do good things, it only comes from being in God. So, by extension, it only comes from God himself. We can only do good things from God. So if we do something good and we go, God, we are impressed, God's going, well, that, doing that good actually came from me in the first place. Um, like I, I heard an illustration a few weeks ago, and it was like a so say your your child comes comes to you, and they ask for some money so they can go buy your present, and then so you go okay, here you go, Elena. Here's um, one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, go buy me some new sneakers, and then so she comes back as if I would do that. Anyway, so she comes back with some sneakers and go here you go, Daddy. Haven't I done good? Um, now can you give me a reward for the, for getting you those sneakers? You know, like does that is that making sense? I haven't told the illustration very well, but the point is uh, we can forget about trying to. Uh, to impress God. Being able to do good, it only comes from being in that place of safety, security, and sanctuary in God. And this is actually a really sweet relief. You can go, oh, fuel, fuel. It's good news for those of us who have heard of, who have believed in and confessed the name of Jesus. We have this place of refuge and hope in God. But what about everybody else? What about those, those people, those those we love, people in our communities or in, in our city, in Wellington or the cities where we come from. What about them? Instead of a place of refuge in God, are some of them still being bombarded with fear and a big capital F fear and hopelessness? Well, a second psalm spoke to me last year, the Psalm 24. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I do recommend that you read the whole thing and think about it. I'll just read from Psalm from um, verses 7. Lift up you heads, O ye gates. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Now this psalm is about the entry of the king, the entry of God into the city and into the temple. It's about welcoming him in, right? It's about welcoming the Lord of hosts. Hosts being heaven's armies, the angel armies of heaven. It's saying, come in God, come into the city. You have conquered the enemy. Come on in. We welcome you, we honor you, we worship you, we need you. Oh God, we need you, come in. And I feel like this, this is for, this is for Capital Vineyard Church, this is for us. This, this, I feel, is a bit of a mandate. It's, 
I feel like we've been given an invitation, like something to step into, and, and almost a responsibility to invite the Lord God as Jesus, the King of glory, the Lord of hosts, into our city, into our community, into our houses, into our neighborhoods, into our streets, to invite him. And to invite him in and to go in those places and go, lift up your heads, O gates, that the King of glory may come in. And I feel like we can do this intentionally. We can do it by praying and interceding. We can do it when we worship and when we praise the Lord. We can do it on our own. In fact, I encourage you to do it on your own. Uh, and we can do it with others. I feel like these times of, get, of gathering, so at, you know, at the moment, It's a Sunday morning, and we're gathered here, and we're in the heart of the city. Right in the heart of the city. I actually, last year, I I drew a map, and I was um, just highlighting some of the the, key key places in this area, in the Thorndon area. And um, do you know that Parliament, if you walked in that direction, 750 metres, it's only 750 metres away from where we are right now. We are in the heart of the city. We are in the heart of of New Zealand, in fact. So I feel like these gatherings that we have on Sunday mornings are particularly significant because we we welcome him here, uh, and it's not just for ourselves. Well, it is a bit because we we love him and we need him, but it's not only for for ourselves, but it's for our city. It's for our communities. It's for, for uh, for those people who who are wandering in fear and hopelessness. I feel it's a natural overflow of this abiding and remaining in Jesus and him and us. We become like the one we worship. He gives us his heart for the world. He told his followers in Matthew 5, he said to them, you are the salt of the earth. I wrote this in the CV News during the week, so if you've read it, this is going to be old news. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In, in this Matthew 5 passage, Jesus didn't say, I'm, I'm the salty one. <laughs> I'm the salt. I'm the light. He is the light. It says in other places that he is the light. But here he's saying, you are the salt. You are the light. So we're to be salty. We're to be tasting of Jesus. And it comes out of this place of being, of being centered on him, being centered on him and spending time with him. I'm pretty sure it could be true. And, uh, and I think that 70% of statistics are made up. But... Um, if you spend a lot of time with somebody, you probably begin to smell like them. Actually, I know this is true, because when I pick up Elena from daycare, she smells like daycare. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, um, you know, if you, if, if you know somebody that kind of likes to put on quite a lot of uh, perfume, or um, they might be a fan of Lynx Africa, Nicholas, and, um, and then they... <laughs> a miracle <laughs> transformation right here <laughs> do you want to come and tell your testimony 
Um, but, you know, you, you, you hug somebody who's fond of strong scents. You go away and you smell of their strong scent. Here I am getting distracted on things again. My point is, we become salty when, when we spend time with Jesus. We, we begin tasting like Jesus. We are the light. We are the light of the world because Jesus abides in us and it's his light shining out of us. I, I, I've been picturing it like, like an orbit, like a um, sort of a planet or orbiting Orbiting the sun, or the you know all the planets of the solar system orbiting the sun, and then this this orbiting around around the around the sun or around Jesus, it, it also involves all of the places and spaces that we that we are that we're placed, places that we're placed, our workplaces, our homes, our schools, our neighbourhoods, our communities. We take the we take the radiance of orbiting around the sun. And we, and we carry that into the other spaces that we are. We take the radiance of Jesus to those who don't yet know him, and they need to hear about him. In Romans 10, Romans 10, 13, Paul, St. Paul, he says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We go, yes. But how are they to be called on the one whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in the one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And there's a bit more that I don't have up on, up on the screen. Because it says, And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How are they to proclaim him unless they're sent? I feel, I should have put it on the screen, because 2020, I feel this strongly. I feel this year we're being called and we're being sent to tell people about Jesus so that others might hear about him too. Our orbits around Jesus becoming something like this, orbiting around Jesus and at the same time, Orbiting around the, the places, our friends, our loved ones, our communities, our workplaces, our schools, strangers on the street, orbiting around them, orbiting around Jesus, all happening at the same time. Constantly circling and abiding in Jesus. Because if we don't constantly circle and abide in Jesus, then we can't do, can't do anything, right? While connecting with others and telling them about him, doing good works, bearing good fruit, the overflow, it's the natural overflow of our lives in him, with him. And these parts are fully integrated. There's no, no more separation, no more thinking, separate world, separate spaces. As we encircle Jesus, we, we respond to what Jesus tells us to do. Uh, I was talking to um, Caleb Clayton um, during the week, and he, is he here? Has he popped out? Oh, yeah. When he comes back, can you give me a wave? I was talking to Caleb during the week about about this about this picture that I've been imagining, and he told me this um, just amazing story, which just sort of illustrates this in a uh, like this is a concept, right? This is something that we can picture, but what does it look like? What does it look like when we um, when we let this play in our lives? 
you see this symbol all the time. It's, it's an infinity symbol, eh? And it's really, really popular. I see it now as a, as a picture of, of eternity, of, of the eternal God in a, in a way. No beginning and no end. And, it, and I was trying to get at this last week when we took communion together, like about the temporariness of, of the bread and the juice, but when we take them, they become eternal. We tap into the eternity of God, and we can, and we can release that eternity on others. Caleb, can you come and tell your story, bro? So I won't be able to make the link, though, because I was out there. But... Um... <clears throat> So I um, often stay up late, do music and stuff while Fenner goes to bed or I have quiet time, one of the two, and this night I was having a quiet time. And I used to, uh, before I got married, I used to go out witnessing to people and, and I thought, oh man, I haven't done that in a while. So I was like, prayed and I was like, asked the Lord if he wanted to like show me anything. And then the Tony train station came into my mind so this was probably about 11.30 at night. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, crap. I don't, really, <laughs> I don't want to do it. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm just making that up in my head. So I went and brushed my teeth to get into bed. And I, was like, I said to myself, oh, if it doesn't go out of my head, then I'll do something about it. So I was brushing my teeth, and I just kept thinking about it. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go. And so I went out, and and then on the way I was like, I want, like, Lord, if you want me to do anything, just be real specific. And then a red, um, I had the image of a, a, a red shirt came into my head. Um, so I was like, okay, there has to be, like, exact, like a red shirt. Like, I'm not going to take anything else. Got up to the um, train station. There was no one around, so I kind of just drove around. And then I was about to head back home. I was like, oh, no, I should get out. So I parked up, walked around the train station. There was no one there. So I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> Went back home and I uh, didn't go back home, sorry. Got, got back in the car and then, and then I thought, oh, the people at McDonald's wear red shirts. And, there's a, um, and I wasn't too sure if I just wanted a, a cheeseburger or... <laughs> <clears throat> um, but so I thought, um, I'll go there anyway. And then um, got into the drive-thru, ordered a, a burger... <laughs> At eleven thirty at night, and um, and then got um, made my order, and then two cars pulled up behind me, and I looked in the rear vision mirror, and there was a guy with a red shirt in the car, like a proper red shirt, you know, like as um, I was like, who wears red shirts actually? Like, and they, he must have been in town or something, but I, I'm not honestly, I've never seen someone wear a red shirt, not even maroon, not even maroon either. It was like proper bright red. <laughs> And um, no one's wearing red shirts. <laughs> and um, so he, yeah, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that's the guy. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should just pay for his meal. So I uh, went for it. I was like, yeah, that's what I'll do. And then got to the, and then another car pulled in, moved up one. And then the other car had a red shirt in it. The guy had a red shirt as well. So it's two guys wearing red shirts. I was like, what are the odds of that? And then, so I was like, I'll pay for both of their meals. Got up to the window and um, uh, said to the teller, oh, d- can you just, is that guy behind me wearing a red shirt? And he's like, uh, yeah, he is actually. 
I was like, sweet. Um, I want to pay for his meal and the guy behind as well, because I've both got red shirts on. He's like, oh, is he your friend or something? I was like, no, no. So I was like, oh, a bit of a weird story, but I was um, at home praying, and um, I felt like God wanted me to go down to the train station and told him the whole story. And there was no one at the train station, so I went, came here to McDonald's, and then two guys with red shirts. He's like, man, that's awesome. This young guy. And so I was like, oh, <clears throat> yeah, so I want to pay for both their meals. Did two, yeah, had to do like, it was kind of awkward actually, had to do like these different transactions. And then drove through and then just didn't talk to anyone apart from that guy. And But as I moved forward, he, I could see him leaning out the window and he was telling the guy. And then I drove off and um, I was like, oh, what was that? Like, what was the purpose of that? And, um, and then I thought, oh, you know, just even just that guy telling the story to the guys in the car that, oh, this guy got out of bed, or, you know, <laughs> had prayed to God and blah, blah, blah. So he would have told those two guys. <clears throat> the guy, I'm sure the guy at McDonald's would have told his, um, start, you know, the, his colleagues as well. So instead of just witnessing to maybe one person at a train station, I ended up witnessing to all the people they connected with. Um, yeah, so... No, just the, the simplest of things, really. It wasn't, like, crazy, you know, no one was crying or, like, healings or anything. But, you know, and then, and I, and then I, thought, I was thinking about it just before, this, this morning, actually, and every time they thought about that story, they probably told someone else. So it's, like, kind of a ripple effect, yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> so funny, eh? <clears throat> but Kata doesn't know, but do you do you see the see the connection? He's spending time with Jesus and then in that place this is happening, right? Jesus is revealing his heart heart for others. So Caleb's going out and, and responding to it. Abiding in abiding in Jesus is, is risky then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> Mmm, <laughs> minty cheeseburger. <laughs> have you ever have you ever been walking along the street and you see a fruit tree and the fruit's hanging over the fence? And it's hanging over, it's on a public space, right? Now it's public property. So you can reach out, I don't know if this is legal, but you can reach out and grab that plum or that apple, or that orange, or whatever it is, and you, you're going to pluck it, and you're going to enjoy it. The fruit is there for the taking. It's hanging over the public space, so all we need to do is reach out and take it. This, this is a picture of us, Capital Vineyard Church. This is a vineyard of us. A vineyard of ripe grapes, hanging over the walls for the ones outside the walls to taste. The ancient Jewish father, Jacob... Jacob, when he blessed his son Joseph, he said this in Genesis 49, 22, 22, Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. He's blessing his son. He's prophesying over his son that his son's going to be this fruity vine, right, hanging over, 
hanging over the hanging over the hanging over the wall. And it's this picture of a fruit laden tree with branches reaching over the fences, so that people walking along the streets can just reach out and grab a bit of fruit. It's this picture. We're called to be fruitful, and that good fruit comes out of abiding with Jesus. And that fruit is there for the other, for others. It's for us as well. It's the craziest thing. But it's for others to taste and see that the Lord is good. So that others discover it, others discover, as we are discovering, because we don't have it figured out by all means. They discover as we're discovering that the cure for fear is hope in the Lord. Cure for fear is hope in the Lord Jesus. So this year, 2020, we're going to be pressing into this call and to learn ways of genuinely sharing the good news of who Jesus is. Not to be fakes, not to put on a front or whatever, genuinely sharing the good news of Jesus. And, and the vision really is to see our city coming to life, to see our city filled with hope, to become worshippers of Jesus and rescuers of people. So this symbol, this symbol becomes a representation of orbiting around Jesus and loving others. And you might be a bit freaked out by that, the idea of sharing your faith. You, me, all of us probably are in some ways, and you're not the only one. And this is the beauty of being in a church family, because we, we can do this together. It's something we can learn to do together. We're better together. Uh, next month um, is going to be Missions Month. And right at the start, Graydon Harvey from Beach Church in uh, Romaddy, he's coming to teach us to teach us about sharing our faith. And he'll, he's going to run a couple of midweek workshops. They're going to be on Wednesday evenings, and we'll tell you more details when that happens uh, uh, to help us grow in confidence in sharing our faith. And I want to keep coming back to this because it's not about ticking boxes. It's not about seeking approval. Um, it's not even about growing Capital Vineyard Church. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about bringing hope to our city. It's about stopping fear in its tracks. It's about freedom for people. I feel like this is the heart of God. My dream is that this year we'll see people coming to faith in Jesus. That we'll hear, we'll hear each other's stories of, of, of the risks that we've taken in sharing the good news of Jesus. Some of our stories might not go well. Some might end in cheeseburgers. We'll hear, we'll hear each other's stories. That we'll journey together. And I, I'm dreaming that we'll hear testimonies of people um, coming to faith in Jesus, of uh, life-saving, life-changing, hope-filled faith in Jesus. <laughs> I'm pausing because I don't want to say it. <laughs> I want to see 10 people this year. I want to see 10 people come into faith in Jesus. I, I don't want to say it because I think we haven't seen 10 people come to faith in Jesus in a year, ever. So it feels to me like, that's too big a step, Lord. I don't want to say it. I didn't write it down. I was like, Caleb, if I'm still thinking about it, then I'll say it. What do you reckon? Do you think this is something that we can, we, can, we can pray for and seek God for? Praying God, Lord. 
Is it possible? Can God really change lives? Can God really enter our city and bring hope? Can he do it? Can we have confidence in him? Last week, I I spoke from Hebrews 12 about running the race, and I did that because it was laying a foundation. And the three main points that I that I labored on was this idea of being encouraged and inspired by the lives of the faithful that have gone before us. God didn't, God didn't fail them and he's not going to fail us. For us, the second point was to just try to, to discard old baggage, weights, things that slow us down, things that hold us up, hang-ups, insecurities, fears, sins, things that hold us back and trip us up because it's running a race. I think that we said that in that, sang that in the last song this morning. And the last point was, the, the point of it all is Jesus. It's always got to be Jesus. Our focus has always got to be Jesus. To race, to follow Jesus, who is the hope of the world. Well, that was last week, so if you were there, you heard it twice now. But is it possible? Can God really change lives? Today, if we have any, if we have any faith at all that God can bring hope to a hopeless city, if we've got any faith at all that he can actually do that, then you know what? That's enough. That's enough. We only need faith as small as a mustard seed, and I'm pretty sure that mustard seeds are pretty small. They're just little things, unless they're big. I'm pretty sure they're small. That's a small bit of faith. I feel God's call is for us to take that little bit of faith and just sow it and see what God does with it. We don't have to figure it all out. God is the one that moves mountains. We're the ones with our little bit of faith, our little seed of faith. What do you reckon? What can we do then? (laughs) Three things, three things I'm going to leave you with. I'm in the same boat. Three things I'm leaving with. Abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. We can't do anything good without him. Abide in Jesus and pray and ask him for faith. Ask him for confidence. Ask him for boldness. Um, Ask him for his heart for our city. Ask him for his heart for your friends and your workmates and the communities that we represent. And abide in him. Pray. Pray. when When you go to work... When you go to school, when you're at home, when you're walking around the streets, um, when you're on the train, when you're on the bike, you might go on prayer walks around your neighborhoods. You might go on prayer walks around your workplaces, like like blessing, blessing your neighbors and inviting the King of Glory, that's Psalm 24, inviting the King of Glory into these places. I call them figure eights. It's not really a figure eight. It's more of a figure eight on the side, having a nap. But, but I, sort of, I sort of just picture them as, the, as these walks of um, like inviting God, inviting the eternity of God into places. Prayer walks. So the first one's abiding in Jesus and praying. The second one's praying. <laughs> What's three? three? Three is about being ready and about being available. Perhaps, perhaps unforced conversations will naturally happen. And there'll be opportunities for you to share about the hope that you have in Jesus and why you have a hope for a future, to share about, about the, you know, the revelation of Jesus that God has placed in your heart. And that's where I'm going to leave it today, being available. So pray, 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 be available.